A reading from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4, beginning at the first verse. I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, which is above all and through all in all. Hear the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Well, good morning. It is my absolute joy to be with you wherever you are right now. Um, being in lockdown is most certainly not where many of us would like to be. Uh, but as I have prepared to speak today, I've felt compelled to find the small moments of joy that can be found even in difficult circumstances like lockdown. And I think when we read the letter to the Ephesians, we get a sense of this also from the Apostle Paul. See, Paul was likely a prisoner, as we've talked about in previous weeks of this series, at this time in writing. And he wrote about things that were joyous, that were great, that were awesome, even in the midst of the struggle of his imprisonment. He could still express these many blessings as a follower of Jesus Christ. He could express the incredible love of God. He could express the, the joy in being a son and a daughter, being adopted into the family of God. He could talk about the way we are connected by the Spirit and especially about prayer. He could talk about prayer in the midst of hard times. He could also say that spiritual strength would be provided when we bow before our God and our King. And I'm convinced that Paul didn't write these things glibly, uh, but he made a distinct choice to do so, even in that hard situation. And we can make choices to trust and honour God in the midst of our hard situations and hard experiences. And so we do come to today's passage, and it's one of the pinnacle passages of this letter. It's very well known. And we know uh, Paul had a distinct habit of in his writing in the first part of his letters of laying down his teaching and theology. And then somewhere a few chapters in, he would then lean into exhortation or encouragement of the people he was talking to. And this was done in most of his writings. And it's where we find ourselves today, the point where Paul exhorts the church in Ephesus, and I dare say exhorts us today, in Rabina, or if you don't live exactly in Rabina, in the Gold Coast or around the world, uh, to take practical steps in our walk and our faithful calling. And so our verses today are very encouraging. And we go into our, our first verse of chapter 4, where Paul encourages, in fact, he begs, he begs his readers to lead a life worthy of the calling to which they have been called. Lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now, I don't know if you feel this way, but I certainly do. That seems like a big ask, uh, to live a life worthy of the calling of God. And I think Paul knows, as he wrote this, that it's impossible to live a life worthy of God without God. But with God, all things are possible. Now, I am a very faulted human being. Um, I've said this before, just ask my wife. I am faulted and I am frail. I make mistakes. And although I must and can learn from those mistakes... I will only be able to live rightly by the help and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And Paul begs us to do this. And the word here is an interesting word in Greek. It's parakaleo, 
Now, this is translated as beg in our translation of the NRSV, but it is also translated as urge or beseech in others. But the literal meaning of this word parakaleo is to call to one's side. Think of it as a rallying cry, to call people to battle, to fight with you perhaps. Paul giving us a rallying cry, a mentality to live a life worthy of the calling, to strive to live honouring God. And I don't think that Paul just leaves us to figure this out as a nice idea on our own either. As he's reached this point of exhortation and encouragement, I think he gives us a roadmap. Dare I say he gives us a framework throughout this whole chapter of chapter 4 as he encourages and exhorts. And we're just going to focus on the first part of this chapter today, the first one to six verses. But the framework, the framework uh, that I think here is really obvious for us. It's a really clear framework. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Having this mindset of of humility is the framework that helps us to be able to strive to lead a life worthy of the calling. This is what we need to do. Oh, sounds easy, doesn't it? Be humble, be gentle, be patient, bear with one another in love, and make every effort to keep that unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And I'm reminded as we come to this point, talking about unity, that the Christian life is not to be done alone. Some of us might feel a little bit lonely at the moment. We might be a bit isolated from friends and family from our church. But we know that this Christian gospel, this Christian community, this Christian message is done together. Unity is at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. Christ came to reconcile that which was lost, to join together, to heal, to unify that which was broken, to restore relationship between God and mankind. And so Paul directs our focus to this as an encouragement, a practical exhortation to be humble and gentle and to have patience. This is a powerful thing. In the next verses, we get a really nice view of this as well, where Paul continues to tell us that there is some amazing things about this church, this body, this unifying community that we are a part of. And this is the famous verses, really. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. The wordplay here might be a a bit hard to take in at first. There is a lot in it, and each section definitely can be studied deeper in Bible study. Um, But in each of these sections, Paul emphasizes the oneness, the oneness, the unity that we share because of our joint belief and faith. I know Stuart talked strongly on belief last week but also because of all of the things that God brings together, all the things that are held by the one, God who is the one. I like to think of this as a bit of a litany of oneness, and it is capped off with a huge and profound statement from Paul, which is verse 6, which is, of course, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. This unity and oneness with humility gentleness and patience is the framework that will see us as individuals and the church thrive in our calling. If we can take Paul's encouragement here to engage in being humble and work to be gentle and patient, especially if that's not our forte, if we can take on that framework, we will join greatly in the oneness that God has provided for us in community.
When we do this well, others believe. When we do this well, faith grows. When we do this well, spirits are revived and the church is at its best. Hope is spurred on. And we know that we will be the most effective for God's kingdom and for his glory because we are joined with him. We are one with him. We can lead lives worthy of the calling to which we've been called, not on our own strength, but by the power of the Holy Spirit in us as we are joined together as one with those that believe. And Jesus himself prayed a distinct prayer for us about this type of unity and oneness for his followers just before he went to the cross. And this does not mean we will always agree about everything in life just because we are a part of the one God. We may not agree on some points, but in our one God, we can find unity that helps us to strive and move forward and be the best that we can be and to lead lives worthy of the calling to which we have.